0: My name is David, by the way, if you don't know me. And I am so excited to, uh, to be with you guys today because I'm going to be sharing something that has really um, absolutely transformed my life. And, and I get the honor of sharing that with you guys. And my prayer is that you guys, in the same way that the Lord blessed me with what I'm about to share with you today, that He'll no less but even more bless you guys with it. Um, Before I get into that, though, I've been really inspired by hope. How many of you have been inspired by hope lately? (laughs) Faith, hope, and love. And there's a really amazing prayer in in Romans 15, 13 that I just want to pray over us, okay, before I get started. that Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just ask, as I share today, that you impart that hope. I pray, Lord, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'd be with each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today I want to talk about raising our expectations. Because... You know, and I know in my own life, I think often that we can put limits on God, just because of our lack of ex- expectancy. I think the fan is, do you want to turn it off, thanks. I think often we can set limits on God just because of our past experience, you know, I think often we put We can put lines in the sand and say, you know, based on my experience, God moves like this, but he doesn't move like that. He does this, but I've never seen him do that, so he doesn't do that. But how many know that God can't be defined by our own expectations and by our own definitions of who God is and what he does? And unfortunately, I think often we limit God because of that. Because I I heard it said that expectancy is a synonym of faith. And the more I think about that, the more I believe it. Expectancy is synonymous with faith. Okay? So there was a season in my life where I was listening to uh, a lot of sermons. You know, Toronto has Catch the Fire has a whole bunch of archives on YouTube. How many of you know that? Go on YouTube. They they archive videos all the way back to the year 2000. So probably about five or six years ago, I'm like, I'm going to watch all those videos. So I started in the year 2000, (laughs) I only got up to 2003, but anyway, there's one one sermon in particular I remember, and I don't know why, you know, sometimes you just hear something and it stays with you. John or not was preaching, and he said something like this, some people are saying that the revival is over, and for them it is. Think about that. We don't expect God to be doing this anymore. So I'm going to go and not go in faith, not go expecting God's going to move in my life, and then he doesn't, and then we confirm our negative beliefs, that he doesn't move like this anymore, and I know that's, you know, what kind of blew me away is that John was saying that in 2003, I was like, people are saying that in 2003, I didn't go to Toronto for the first time until 2007, and I got completely rocked, you know what I mean, like, two weeks, like, afterwards, I was encountering, like, just one of those phenomenal encounters, and because I still, I, for all I knew, the revival is still going. How many of you know it is still going? It never ended. But for those who think that it ended, it did. And that's what faith is all about, is expectation. So if you go there believing God is going to rock you, and that he still moves in that way, he's going to move in that way in your life. Now, when I got a hold of this, so I, I, you know, back in 2006, 2007, I um, let me start. Let me start with this. What I want to do before I get into that story, I'm going to share that more at the end. I want to share about raising our expectations, and I'm going somewhere with this because I think God is about to do something really, really, really big, and we could either jump on board or miss it, right? And I don't want to miss it. I want to be in the middle of what God's doing. And I know you're all here and you want you're the I know we're all the same. We want to be in the midst of what God's doing, don't we? But we got to keep our faith knowing that God is going to be doing those amazing things, all these prophetic words over Canada, all these prophetic words out of over Ottawa, all these amazing prophetic words over our individual lives. And I'm sure a lot of us have had a lot of amazing prophetic words, but because we haven't seen the fulfillment of them yet, our expectations are low, which isn't good. But what I want to do is share from the scripture some amazing scriptures that really transform my life. Then I want to share a testimony of a particular scripture that really transformed my life. And then I want to just pray that God does the same for all of us, okay? Okay. So the first one, and some of you may have heard me uh, share this one before. I want to share this one because I'm going to be sharing a lot of scriptures. And if we can get a hold of this scripture, the rest of them are going to blow our minds. I guarantee you, okay? If we actually believe this first scripture, I'm going to share with you. The first scripture is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And I encourage you to write that down. It, 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 this is an amazing promise. It says that, For no matter how many promises God has made, they're all yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What this is saying is that we all know there's thousands upon thousands of promises in the Bible. And what God's saying is that the answer to every single one of those promises is yes, yes. It's not maybe, it's not I'll think about it, it's yes. So if you can find a promise in the scripture, you don't have to wonder, is this God's will? The answer is yes. Is it God's will to heal me? Yes. Right? By Christ's stripes, we're healed. And so we know that that is for us individually, because God's no respecter of persons, right? And so if he's done it for one person, he'll do it for you. So it's not a matter of if, maybe when, right? Right? And I'm going to get to that later, but they're all yes. So when I'm sharing these amazing scriptures that I'm about to share, I want you to keep that one promise in mind and believe that everything I'm going to share today is yes for you and for me and for all of us, okay? So the first scripture I want to share, and again, I'm talking about raising our expectations. I was alluding to this earlier that we often limit God, I believe. We draw lines in the sand, right? But how many of you know God often meets us on the other side of our lines, right? Outside of our comfort zone, and God's like, hey, come over here. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. That's kind of outside of my frame of reference. But God doesn't care because he wants to stretch our faith and he wants to raise our expectations, okay? So keep that in mind. John 14, 11 through 14. This is Jesus talking. He says, Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verily, truly, I tell you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they'll do even greater works than these. Whoa. Just pause and think about that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is telling us that we're going to do greater works than he himself did. Now, notice he's saying whoever believes in him. Why don't you say that? Whoever. Are you whoever? Yeah, we're all whoever. Whoever. Jesus Christ is promising us that we, as believers, are going to do greater works than him. Isn't that something else? How many of you know Jesus doesn't lie? Right? If he said it, we can believe it. Yeah. So he says, because I'm going to the Father. And then he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why don't we say that? Whatever. Does he say some things? No. Whatever. Whatever you ask for, I'm going to give you, right? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then he says it again in a different way. You may ask me for anything. Why don't we say that? Anything. Anything means anything. He's not qualifying this. He's not saying some things. He's saying anything in my name and I'll do it. Notice in the the verse before that, he says, so that my Father may be glorified. Answered prayer is actually glorifying the Father, right? So it's okay to ask for anything. It's okay to ask for whatever because answered prayer glorifies the Father. No limits, anything. This is Jesus, Nothing's limiting you from getting anything you ask for in prayer, right? That's what Jesus is saying, and he emphasizes it twice. You can ask for anything. I'm going to do it. And this is the Son of God saying that. So I just want to, I'm hitting this home because, as we'll see, I think often we read these scriptures so many times, and there's, the promises are so far outside of what we can grasp or believe that we're just like, oh, that's nice. But we don't actually believe it because we're like, how can we do greater works than Jesus, right? Raising our expectations, taking Jesus' words to mean just what they mean, and not trying to rationalize them, like a lot of us might do, but actually taking God for, at his word and saying, I believe it, and therefore I'm going to see that in my time. No limit. Why don't we say that? I mean, this is fun. No limits. No limits. Now, another verse I want to uh, read is Mark eleven twenty two through 24. This is Jesus, and I like quoting Jesus, right? Like I said, we... You, Jesus doesn't lie, so we can just, we just either believe it or we don't, right? Because he doesn't lie. So, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. How many of you have seen a mountain go in the sea before? This isn't outside the realm of possibilities because Jesus is saying if we say that and don't doubt, it's actually going to happen, right? So if we actually took him at his word and we're like, "Hey, Jesus said this," I'm going to go say this mountain go throw yourself in the sea. It should move. Now, don't get me wrong; I've never I haven't seen it either, right? I'm, But I'm just saying, this is pretty high, like, Jesus isn't going low. He's not saying, hey, if you say to this pencil, move a centimeter, it's going to move, right? (laughs) He's not kidding around. So then he goes on. He says, therefore, I tell you whatever. Again, he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever, believe that you've received it, and it'll be yours. Raising our expectations. Our job is to believe it. His job is to do it, Okay. So just like I, was, I alluded to 2 Corinthians 1.20 earlier, right, where it says the answer is yes to all of his promises, through him the amen spoken by us, right, we have a part to play, we have a part to play in coming into agreement and saying amen, let that promise be done, Lord, amen, right? So he, we do have a part to play, and this is kind of what Jesus is saying. You know, our part is to believe him, to believe his words. And as we do, we're going to see amazing things. We're going to see mountains being moved. No limits. No limits. Mark 9.23. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything. Raising our expectation. Lord, I believe that Ottawa is going to be saved. Why not? Just because we haven't seen it before. I, when Jesus says everything's possible for him who believes, if we actually believe that, then Ottawa is saved. Ottawa is going to be saved. right? And who would want to, we want to be a catalyst to that, don't we? We want to see the Lord move in Ottawa like he's promised. We want to see him move in our nation like he's promised. Over and over and over again. There's, we all know. We've heard them. There's so many prophetic words about Canada. Revelation 222 The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. We're called as a nation to bring healing to the nations. And we've seen this in Toronto, haven't we? Aren't we? I'm grateful to be a part of, of Catch the Fire Airport because of what God's done, but also what he continues to do and what he's going to do because there's so many amazing words since the 90s, that, that's just a foretaste of what God's going to do through that church, through the church we're a campus of. Isn't that an honor? Another wave's coming. Are we going to be on board? Are we going to believe it? Are we going to be like, you know what? I think God's done with that. I don't want to be one of the people who are saying, hey, I think God, God's done with that. Because I, you know, I know he's not done with that. He still loves pouring out the wine of the Spirit upon his people doesn't he? He still loves, yeah, amen, thank you. That's right, he knows it. That's right. He, (laughs) he still loves encountering his children so that their lives are transformed, right? Yeah, he's getting it, I'm telling you. It's the next generation. He believes I love it. Raising our expectations. Now, (laughs) see, the Lord's confirming his word right now. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. My goodness, maybe we can get him to pray for us. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Through the mouth of babes, right? All right. One last verse before I go into what I wanted to go into. I love reading the prayers in the Bible. Paul the Apostle, how many of you heard like apostolic prayers? Simply it's just the prayers that Paul or others, other apostles have prayed in the Bible, okay? So there's, there's a lot of them and what I, lo- I love them for a few reasons. The first reason is because it gives us a picture of how Paul prayed and others. And he prayed with boldness. He prayed with great expectations. And it's inspiring because it's like, I wouldn't even think of praying that, Paul, my goodness. But what I love about it is God was like, that's a good prayer. In fact, I like that prayer so much, I'm going to put it in the Bible for all of eternity. I love that because it, it gives us a frame, like, we can take these prayers and pray them for ourselves, for our loved ones, and they're canon scriptures. So we're like, hey, this is God's will. Right? All of his promises are yes and amen, and and why not just pray how the apostles prayed, you know? I don't know. But I'm going to just pray this over us, because this is one of the uh, prayers of the apostle Paul, and it's phenomenal, okay? So I'm just going to pray this over us. So this is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every... Family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you through power, or through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm going to repeat that one. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What I love about this, what's the fullness of God look like? Can we even picture what the fullness of God is? Yet Paul's praying that you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, now that's pretty bold, I think. But then right after that, he goes on and says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... First of all, how can we, we can't even imagine the fullness of God. And then Paul's like, actually, God can even do more than filling you with the fullness of God. It's like, whoa, what? There's more than the fullness of God? I, <laughs> what I, and, and what I love about this is like, you know, I think, like I was saying earlier, we often limit ourselves and we're like, hey, you know, I, I, like we might have big dreams. I think we probably all do. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we rationalize them away and we're like, you know what? I really want to do this, but that would cost a lot of money. Or I would really like to do this, but, you know, I, I don't think a God would ever use me in that way. And that's too, you know, out of the realm of possibilities. But what Paul's saying, what God is saying through Paul is that if you can imagine it, you're actually thinking too small. If you can even imagine it, God can do beyond what you can imagine. And he will do it, right? So if you can even imagine, like what's the biggest thing you, dream big. What's the biggest thing you could see God ever using you for in your lifetime? The biggest thing. Like, no limits. What God's saying is, you can, I'll even do more than that. If you can imagine it, thinking too small, right? Beyond what we can think or imagine. Beyond, No limits. And this is, I'm telling you, this is Paul the Apostle praying this. And I want faith like that. I want to be like, you know what? Why stop with Ottawa being saved? Why not the nation of Canada? 100% Christian. Why not the entire world? Somehow, I can imagine it, so that's thinking too small. I don't know. I I guess I don't get that one. (laughs) Anyway, you see my point, right? And so I just want to encourage all of us today and breathe in hope. I prayed that scripture earlier, hope. Because I know there's a lot of us who've had promises in our lives for years, maybe decades. And then, you know, through life, life happens. Um. And we lower our expectations and we're like, you know what? Maybe that prophetic word wasn't actually true. Maybe that prophetic word, maybe that person was off. Maybe God doesn't want to use me in that way, right? We give up hope, don't we? We lose faith. But I, what I want to do with today is just, no, let's not even go there. Let's go in the opposite direction And believe God for the impossible. Because remember, Mark 9.23, everything's possible for him who believes. And we want to believe God. Because we believe that's true, don't we? We believe the Bible and Jesus. And so I don't want to stand before God one day and be like, you know, God, I'm sorry. I, you know, I just didn't think you'd use me in that way. Because how many of you, when you look at the life of Jesus... He didn't rebuke people for having too much faith, did he? No, he, he rebuked people for having too little faith. Like, hey, you didn't walk on the water, you of little faith. Right? He didn't say, he never rebuked anyone for having too much faith. I would rather stand before God one day and him be like, you know what? You had a little too much faith. You expect me for a little too much. How many of you would rather have that rebuke? And I don't think there will be that rebuke because you don't see that rebuke in Scripture. In fact, you see the opposite, that we're supposed to believe God for unfathomable things. And so I just, I think like as a church, as a church and individually, why don't we just go for it? Why not? What do we have to lose? We have nothing to lose. What's the worst that could happen if we believe God for these crazy things? The worst that could happen is they won't happen. But what's the best thing that could happen? Is that God will answer our prayers and actually do them, right? It, I mean, it's like win-win. Really, I'm okay, and then we can stand before God one day, and He'd be like, you know what? You got a little too, I, you know. I want to say this. Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, right? We know that. Listing all these people, Abraham, Enoch, you know, Moses, all the people we know. And it says that towards the end. It says, you know what? Most of them believe these promises having even not seen them. But they believed, and now they're in the hall of faith for eternity, not having seen the manifestation, but believing till the end. That's the kind of faith God's looking for right and so even if we don't see these crazy things we're believing for we're going to stand before God and he'll be like you know what good job you totally believe me till the end and you stayed in faith right so I would rather of course we'd all rather have that than us losing faith right and just losing hope and expectancy So with all that being said, I want to share a portion of scripture, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that transformed my life, okay? And that's why I'm so excited. I love sharing this. I know. It's just, (laughs) it's just, oh, whatever. I've been like, yeah, God, I get to share this today. Woo! You know, I'm just waiting for it. All right. I'm like a horse in a stall, just, you know, waiting to go. Okay. Anyway. Luke 11. How many of you Would love it? I mean, this is an obvious question. How many of you would love it if Jesus Christ himself appeared to you and taught you how to pray? Of course, right? And who wouldn't? What I love about this scripture is this is Jesus' instructions in how to pray. In fact, it starts off, Luke 11, verse 1, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus actually answers him. And he gives them a whole 13 verses of this is how you pray, okay? Now, in verses 2 through 4, I'm not going to go over that because it's the Lord's Prayer. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the Lord's Prayer. We all do. But we all know it. That's why I'm not going to, like, go in detail in it. For some, what I want to hit on in verses 5 through 13, because, unfortunately, I think that sometimes, and I don't know why we do this. We stop after the Lord's Prayer and we don't keep reading, but how many of you know that Jesus keeps telling us, giving us instructions on in how to pray after verse 2, and we, and we often miss it. Now, you know, like I said, the Lord's Prayer is awesome. I don't want to devalue it. We've been praying it for thousands of years as a church. That's, it's beautiful. But what I want to show you here is Jesus in that portion is, teach, is giving us a template on what to pray, right, principles. The, the rest is telling us how to pray, okay, so I'm going to start in verse 5. He starts off with a parable. My version might be a bit different. I'm reading from the NIV, for those of you who are reading the screen. All right. Then Jesus said to him, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up, get up and get you anything. Now, verse 8. This is Jesus talking. I tell you, even though he'll not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he'll surely get up and give you as much as he needs. What does ASV say? Okay. If you have a dictionary, you can look that one up. My version says, shameless audacity. Uh, Some other versions say boldness. Some say shameless persistence, right? So there's, depending on your translation, regardless, it's a strong word or phrase, isn't it? I like the NIV. Jesus says because of his shameless audacity, he's going to give him as much bread as he wants. Now, I just want you to think about this because this is Jesus' instructions in how to pray. He's actually telling us we gotta be shamelessly audacious in prayer. The Son of God is telling us we gotta be bold. Other translation, shamelessly persistent. And how many of you know if Jesus is teaching, this is like Jesus, I'm teaching you how to pray. This is what you gotta do to get answered prayer. We should listen to him, right? Shameless audacity in prayer, the Son of God. Now, I don't want to knock any form of prayer, okay? But in our culture, we tend to, maybe not our culture, but I'll just say in general, in the Western culture, we tend to not be shamelessly audacious, do we? We tend to sort of bow our heads. This is fine. I'm not trying to mock anything, but you know what I'm saying. Bow our heads and, and pray in our minds, right? And that's fine, right? That's totally cool. But on the surface, to me, that doesn't look like shameless audacity, does it? Shameless audacity looks like the parable. Going in the middle of the night, knocking on someone's door, waking up the entire family. Now, at that time, they all slept in one room. They all had animals. They slept with the animals. Waking up an entire family in the middle of the night to ask for bread. How many of you know that's shamelessly audacious? If you, like... What nerve do you have? That's like his friend's response. No, I'm not going to give you any bread. You're, what are you doing to me? Waking my whole family up, right? But Jesus is actually saying, good job. He's going to get, you're going to get all the bread you asked for because you are so shameless. And that look, can look crazy to the people on the outside, right? But how do you want to pray like the Son of God tells you how to pray, right? Being shamelessly audacious, yeah, I, I just, it's a posture of heart, isn't it? It's coming to God in boldness and being audacious. And, and to others, it might look crazy. Like I said, it might look kind of crazy. But Jesus is saying that's the key to answer prayer. That's the key to getting answered prayer is being shamelessly audacious. Okay? Then he goes on to give us further instruction. And I want to emphasize this portion. Okay? There's three dimensions of prayer. So verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open." Now what I want to emphasize is that, how many of you see those are three totally different things? Three completely different things. Asking is totally different from seeking, which is totally different from knocking, isn't it? Now, for whatever reason, in our culture, we, we have asking down, don't we? We know, like, often we might think that asking's synonymous with prayer, going to God and asking for things, and that's fine, right? That's one element. But we're totally often missing what Jesus, the Son of God, is saying that we have to do in prayer. Seek, you gotta seek as well, and you gotta knock. Now, what I, wanna, what I want you to notice is that Jesus repeats this two times. Now, in the Bible, we know that when Jesus repeats something, in the Hebrew, that was him emphasizing something. That's like, in our culture, it'd be like bold letters, you know, all uppercase exclamation marks, right? That's how they did it, because they didn't have the same punctuation, uh, you know. And so Jesus repeats that twice, but not only does he repeat it one after another, of course, that's meaning it's really important. Notice in the parable. That's not some arbitrary parable. All three of those elements are there in the parable. The guy goes seeking for bread. He knocks on his friend's door, and he asks him for bread. Jesus is using that as an illustration of these three dimensions of prayer, right? So what I want to do is take some time and just kind of go over each of these. Give you some scriptures on them to show you what I'm talking about. Because, you know, I think often what happens is we read these kinds of scriptures. We can read these things like a hundred times, right? I'm sure we've, a lot of us have read this a hundred times. And we don't even see that. We're like, ask, seek, knock, oh, that's nice. Moving on, right? But I want to hit on these and say, no, these are the keys to answer prayer, according to Jesus' teaching, right? So, what's asking Now again, this kind of goes without saying, we all know what asking is, but I want to hit on this with some scripture anyway to build some faith, okay? Because I already shared some on asking earlier, but if I share you these scriptures, and you might want to write them down, you're going to see, hey, if I ask for something, God is going to really do it. Not only according to Luke 11, but according to these scriptures I'm about to share. So this one I really, really love, and I would encourage you just to really get a hold of this one. 1 John chapter 5 Verses 14 through 15. This this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Remember, yes and amen. Whatever we ask, we're going to have it. So. I don't want to trip you up because you might be like, well, is it God's will? That's a key, isn't it? But like I said earlier, if it's in the scripture, it's God's will. We can bank on it, right? Healing, is it God's will? We don't even have to ask that question. We know it's his will, right? I can give you so many scriptures. We all can, right? Isaiah 53, 4 and 3, or 4 and 5 rather. By his stripes we're healed. Uh, Acts 10 38. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Not some, all, right? So we have promises in the Bible, and we know if we go to God, hey, is healing for today? Yes. So that's why I like praying the scriptures. That's why I like advertising like the apostles' prayers, for instance, because those are faith builders because we can go to God and be like, you know what, God's totally going to answer this. Guaranteed. He promises to Another, uh, a few more, just to hit this home. Give you some more on, this is again, Jesus saying these things. John 15, verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Notice he says, whatever you wish. Whatever you wish. Now, it's going to be done for you if you ask my name. To glorify my Father and so that you'd bear much fruit. So there's a purpose of answered prayer. But what I want to emphasize here is I think often we have an idea, a misconception that if we ask God for something we wish, our desires, it's somehow not right. So it's totally okay for us, and we should, pray for the orphans and other people, and that's Awesome. Awesome. But notice he says, whatever you wish. This isn't wrong. And we have, even if it's implicitly stated, somehow we feel selfish if we're praying for something we wish. But Jesus is saying, no, this is to my Father's glory that he answers the prayer of what you wish so that you'd bear a lot of fruit, you know? And so it's not wrong to pray for things we wish. In fact, in Psalm 37, 4, it says that, those who delight in the Lord, God will give you the desires of your heart. God gives us those desires. He not only implants them, he delivers them, right? And so if we have a desire, it's not wrong to pray that. That's what I want to hit on there, okay, with that one. On 1560, again, I'm just hitting this home. This is Jesus' promises. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask my Father, or in my name the Father will give to you, whatever you ask. John sixteen twenty three and 24. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, truly, I tell you that my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you receive, and your joy will be complete. There's a couple things there. He's saying, you haven't asked me yet, and that's why you haven't gotten me. That's why you have to ask. You actually have to ask. And I think that's a challenge for some of us because we're like, why bother? God already knows what I need. But Jesus here is saying, you know what? It's because you haven't even asked me yet, but just go, right? It's about relationship. Just ask me. And notice why. So that your joy would be complete. Jesus wants our prayers to be answered So that we would have joy. Not only that, so the Father would be glorified. Not only that, so that we'd bear much fruit. Fruit that remains. So it's not selfish to pray for things. God wants us to pray for things. God wants us to pray for things that, you know, like, God, use me. Of course he wants us to pray that. He wants us to pray that so that he'll answer that. So that the Father would be glorified, so that you would bear a lot of fruit, and so that you would be joyful, right? And so um, asking, again, we know what asking is, but, but how many of you know when you, when you ask according to these promises, that builds faith? Because it's the Bible, it's like I said, it, you know, we can bank on these being answered. Seeking, right? Number two, seeking. What is seeking? What I believe seeking is, and it can look like a whole bunch of different things, but it's the active pursuit of whatever it is you're asking for. Actively pursuing that, okay? So this can look like a lot of things, and I want to hit on this because there are so many scriptures on seeking, and don't worry, I'm not going to share all of them. I want to share a couple, though, because they're so awesome. But God is really into us seeking the active element of prayer. Now, what, does it, what is that? Now, I'm going to just give an example. Say we want God to use us in the healing ministry. Maybe we've never seen somebody healed when we lay our hands on them. And, and it doesn't make sense because it's clear in the Bible, like just Mark 16, right? If we lay our hands on the sick, they're going to recover. Why am I not seeing that? What seeking might look like in that context is reading books on healing, listening to sermons on healing, Going to conferences on healing, asking people who have the healing, you know, anointing or whatever, to pray for impartation for you. That is seeking. Now, I don't want to confine it to those things, but I'm just giving you examples so you see the act of pursuit. Now, asking, right, you might ask God, use me in the healing ministry, please, according to your word, I know that you, you know, whatever, asking him. But then you got to seek too to get the answer. You got to actually go out and do something to get the answer. And that's why I believe there is so much breakthrough at conferences. Because you got so many people who are seeking, some flying across the world, some driving, whatever, to go to this conference. And you wonder, why are conferences so off the hook? Why, Why is God encountering so many people at those conferences? Because he's answering the prayers. He's answering them seeking after him. And that he's blessing it. And so so many people get transformed. And I believe that's why. Because by actually getting on that plane and going to that conference, you're praying. Even if it doesn't feel like you're praying, you're actually praying. You're listening to sermons on healing. That might not feel like praying, but you're praying because you're seeking after it, right? And that's an important element. That's really, really important. Now, just a couple verses on this. Hebrews 11, verse 6. I love this. This is actually in the context of Enoch. I mean, come on now. We can learn a lesson from Enoch. Right after he talks about Enoch getting caught up and being no more, right? Because he had so much intimacy with the Lord. Verse 6, Hebrews 11. He says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And he's a rewarder of those who who diligently seek him. Two things. If you don't do these two things, it's impossible to please God. Of course, we've got to believe he exists, but you also, notice, have to believe that he's going to reward you for diligently or earnestly seeking him. We have to believe that. And it's interesting because it's saying if we don't believe God's going to reward us for seeking him, it's actually impossible to please him. So it's really important to believe that our seeking isn't in vain. And by continually seeking, we're going to get that breakthrough. That's what's pleasing to God. And like I said earlier, at the end of Hebrews 11, those people, a lot of them didn't see the breakthrough. But God still said those are men and women of great faith. And so being persistent. Not giving up is the key. And I want to give an illustration of this from Luke 11. Okay? This is, we know this, but I want to, I want to share it anyway. I'm going to, I'll just allude to it. Luke 11, the persistent widow. Jesus uses this. Hey, this is a great example of what I'm looking for in prayer. Okay? Luke 11, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Not give up. I think that's half the battle, just not giving up. Okay? So then this woman kept going to this unjust judge, right? Kept going to him. Continually going to him. Over and over and over. Over and over and over and over and not giving up. Right? Um, verse 4. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, I don't even care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see, see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I probably said something different. Oh, it's not even up there. Okay. Now, this is, now Jesus uses that and he goes, and The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is actually saying that coming to God, asking, seeking, knocking, over and over and over and over and over, is what faith is all about. Faith and patience and endurance always go together. Think of Abraham, 25 years, 25 years, and he's the father of our faith. Now, there's a misconception, I think, that we pray for something once, and we're like, you know what, um, I don't want to pray for that again, because that's not showing faith, right? How many of you heard that kind of you just gotta go to God once, and if you go to Him again, that's not faith. This is actually Jesus saying, No, that's what faith is. Coming to Him over and over, just like the woman did. Being persistent, being audacious until you see the breakthrough in your life. So I just want to encourage you guys. Some of you might have some promises, like I said earlier, for years, and then you gave up. Maybe it's five years, ten years, fifteen, whatever. Jesus is saying, hey, you want to show faithfulness? You want, to, you want me to commend your faith? Keep coming and asking until you see that breakthrough, because it's going to come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, maybe. Right? Now the last one I want to share with seeking is Jeremiah 29, 11-14. And this is pretty famous scripture. I'm going to start saying it, and you'll be like, oh, I know that. But, for some reason, often we don't finish the whole scripture. We stop short of what God says. So, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. Notice he's talking about prayer. Now that's where we often stop. But verse 13, it says, you will seek me. Remember, we're talking about seeking. And find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. Seeking is an important element of prayer. It's important to the Lord and we got to keep that going. We don't want to be lukewarm, and I think that's a lot of what lukewarm is, is we stop seeking, and we just stay content where we're at. But God's like, no, there's more. Raising our expectations, no limits. Now, the last thing, knocking. Asking, seeking, Now what the heck is knocking? And this is just my opinion, because I think you could argue knocking is, you know, whatever. You could probably say different. No, this is my opinion of what knocking is. Remember the parable. The guy knocks on the friend's door in the middle of the night, asking for bread, waking them up. And then Jesus says, because of his shameless audacity, he's going to get all that bread. I think knocking is the shameless audacity that Jesus tells us we need to have. I think knocking is boldly coming to God, this is just my opinion, saying, God, your word says this. I believe it. I believe you're going to answer Right? Your word says yes and amen to this. I believe it. And that's, you know, the reason this scripture is so um, meaningful to me is because in 2006, um, I got saved in 2001. 2006, you know, I was unfortunately kind of a lukewarm Christian. I'll be honest, for a few years there. And in 2006, something happened. It's a long story. I'm not going to give you the long version. The short version is I moved to a new city to go to grad school in Waterloo from Winnipeg. And I'm like, I'm just going to go after God. I started listening to, like, sermons all the time, watching Miracle Channel, Christian TV. Just like, yeah, just loving it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to just pray every day. Why not? Right? And pray for crazy things because I heard about these verses. I heard, hey... Jesus is actually, Jesus is, it's an imperative, according to Jesus, to seek and keep on seeking until you see the breakthrough, right? So actually, I'm going to end that. Luke 11, Jesus finishes by saying this. Okay, remember, this is in the context of prayer. Which of your fathers, if you, uh, your sons ask for fish, will give them a snake instead? Or if we ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love this because it almost seems out of place, doesn't it? You're like, what does asking? Like, why are you talking about the Holy Spirit now? It's almost like Jesus is like, hey, ask for more of the Holy Spirit. You're going to get him. Hey, look, ask for more of the Holy Spirit. You're going to get him. You're, ask for, and it's almost like Jesus wants us to keep on asking for more of the Holy Spirit, and he's like, God's going to give them to you. And notice he's like, you know what? You're not going to get a scorpion. If you ask for something good, I'm not going to give you something evil, so you don't have to worry about it. If it looks weird, it's not the devil, it's the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about getting something you don't want if you go for it. Right, So I heard that. I'm like, you know what? Jesus is telling me to ask for the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to believe that he's going to give me the Holy Spirit. And then I started hearing sermons about 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. He lists all these spiritual gifts, Paul. And then he says, eagerly desire the greater ones. It's an imperative, isn't it? God's actually—it's not wrong to seek after the spiritual gifts. In fact, it's—he's saying, seek the greater ones. I want you to. He's provoking us to, right? Don't go. Just go for it. It's an imperative. And it, this is my opinion. I think it's a matter of obedience, right? Because he's saying, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire the greater ones. And then, if that's not enough, in, in 1 First Corinthians fourteen one, he repeats himself. He says. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. The greater gifts that edify people, the greater gifts that build the church up. I want you to eagerly desire those ones. And you know what's interesting? This is almost a euphemism because the word eagerly desire is the word covet. Covet the greater gifts. It's almost like, oh my goodness, is that okay? It is, it's in the Bible. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is because I was like, whoa, okay, this is God telling me to eagerly desire the greater gifts, right? I'm just going to go for it and believe. So I started praying every single day. I started saying, God, you say eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and then I just list them all. I eagerly desire the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, discerning of spirits every day. I would say, Lord, I I want more of your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to fill you more, know you more, right? I want to learn how to receive and flow and respond in your glory. Now, of course, I prayed for other things, but I was just like, you know what? Why not? Raise my expectations. No limits. Jesus says it. I'm just going to believe it. And three months went by of me doing this. Like I said, I prayed for other things, but every day I was just like, God, your word says that. I believe it. That's the shameless audacity, right? It's like taking God at his word and saying, I believe it. You're going to do it. For whatever reason it took three months I don't know why God's timing is the way it is but three months later and I'll never forget this because before this I mean I was a Christian like I said but I don't think I was operating in the gifts you know maybe prophecy a little bit but I definitely wasn't speaking in tongues in fact this is kind of funny when I first started listening to gifts I left out the gift of tongues I was like why would you want to speak in tongues I didn't get it But then a month later, I heard a good sermon on the Miracle Channel, but why tongues is so good? I'm like, all right, I'll I'll add that one. Why not? (laughs) So February 2nd, 2007, changed my life forever and ever. Okay, I was going through a rough time in my life. You know, it was my first year of grad school. And it was was a Friday night, 10.37 p.m. I remember the time because that's how transforming this was. I'm praying and God speaks to me and he says, open your mouth and speak. And for some reason, I don't know how, I knew he was talking about tongues. I just knew it. And I, in my mind, I'm like, God, but I don't know how to speak in tongues. That's what I said to him. I, I've tried it. I don't, I, you just can't speak in tongues unless right, he enables you. And he didn't, he didn't bother listening to me. He just said it again. He said, open your mouth and speak. So I was like, okay, I was by myself in my living room. I'm like, why not? Okay. I opened my mouth, and how many of you know can guess what happened next? Yeah, it just woo, poured out. And it was so funny to me because in my mind, I'm like, is this me? <laughs> like, you know, you hear yourself, I'm like, whoa, okay. But, you know, what happened is I ended up having a five-hour encounter that night with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues for five hours. And, you know, a whole bunch of things happened that night. But one of the things that really impacted me is that about 45 minutes to an hour, um, I got interpretations to the tongues, and I was writing them all out fast. Right? As you can imagine, I'm speaking in tongues, getting interpretations, writing them all out. I got like 13 or 14 pages of, it, of interpretations, and it was amazing to me because God, God answered specific prayers, like things I was just asking him about, like, hey, what about this, or what, you know, uh, theological things, not only did he answer those kinds of questions, he, he um, gave me prophetic words. He uh, you know, edif- it was edifying, encouraging. He even had some correction in there. Hey, I want you to change this, right? Completely changed my life, right? I went to bed that night at like 4 in the morning. I woke up a transformed man, young man. <laughs> and honestly, it was because of that encounter that I was like, you know what, God? He became so real to me, because you can't argue with an encounter, can you? He became so real to me that I was like, that's it. I surrender everything to you. I don't care. I'm going, like, what's the point of life? When God becomes so real, you're like, nothing else matters. God, I'll do anything for you. And I meant it. I honestly don't think I could could have maybe said it, but I wouldn't have meant it before that. But when God encountered me like that, you know, I was just like, that's it. I'm going for this 100%. And that season, for like, you know, six months or so after that, God was giving me life-changing encounters, like, like at least once a month, and I'm not exaggerating. Cause, and I think what happened is when I got to that place the posture of heart where I'm like, God, I'll do anything, and I meant it, he took me up on that. He's like, okay, this is what you've been missing out on all those years you were being lukewarm. I'm going to catch you up because God's good, isn't he? He has a lot of mercy. So he's like, you know what? Six months, bam, bam. <laughs> I'm going to transform you like pronto because you, you're missing out. So, you know, and he just caught me up like in a short period of time. And what was crazy about it is like I was saying earlier, I had no grid for the things he was doing. None. Like some of them, but I was like, and there was a point where I was like, you know what, God, how can it get any better than this? And then he would like a week or two later encounter me in a way that I was like, oh my goodness, how can it get any better than this? I've never even heard of this before, and God's doing it, you know, like, and that just happened over and over and over and over. And, and it was in that season, honestly, if you might remember, I said 2007, that I first went to Toronto. And the first night I went there, I had such an encounter, I woke up the next morning, like, lightning of God, blah, you know how it is. For two weeks, I was, like, shaking, and I would wake up shaking, and, you know, walk to work shaking, and, or school, and, and it, was, it was crazy, but it changed my life. And that's why I am such a, uh, I get so excited over Luke 11 and these verses of, that really are provoking us. Jesus is provoking us here and saying, go after it. The Holy Spirit, he's going to give them to you. Eagerly desire these things. I'm going to give them to you. I want you to have them. I want you to have them, you know? And what was interesting is in those interpretations I'd have to count, but there was a few times where God was like, this is an answer to your prayer. This is an answer to your parents' prayer. Every once in a while, he'd say This is an answer to your prayer. And at the end, towards the end, he said, this is an answer to your prayer. You can pray in tongues whenever he's giving me instructions. He's like, thank you for your diligence. Remember, Hebrews eleven six. You've got to believe he's a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. And he was just showing me, this is an answer. This is the breakthrough. Now, why did it take three months? I have no idea. In fact, in the interpretations, he was—he actually said, before this night, you weren't ready for this. I don't get those kind of things. I don't get why it takes a certain time or why you have to be at a certain place for God to do it. But the fact is, he's going to do it. He promises. You just got to be faithful. right? And now, I, like I said, I'm excited about this because... It so transformed me when I got a hold of this and actually did it that I wanted to share this in hopes that you're going to run with this, in hopes that you're going to be like, you know what? Why not? Because you've got nothing to lose, not only personally, but as a church. Why not catch the fire of Ottawa? Maybe, who knows? We could be the next Toronto. <laughs> Why not? I mean, we're connected to the main campus. We got that in our DNA. Why not us? And why don't we just go for it as a congregation? No limits, right? We'll just, let's go save Ottawa. Why not? God wants to, obviously, doesn't he? So I just want to impart that hope, that faith. Because I, the expectation, like I said earlier, I think a lot of us get disappointed with hope. We get disappointed because all those years, we're like, God, I haven't seen you do it yet. So we give up. Romans 5, 5, though, it says hope does not disappoint because he shed abroad his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Hope doesn't disappoint. You just got to keep with it. You got to be faithful. You got to be like the persistent widow. All these parables, you got to be like that guy who woke up that family for bread. Let's be like that guy. Amen? Amen?